were starting to settle in for the long haul, with each day spent inside revealing a little more of the dark reality that this pandemic isn't going anywhere anytime soon. The frenetic nature of fast-changing global events is starting to slow, leaving a new reality in its wake. The initial glimmers of hope that maybe we'd only be stuck inside for a few weeks or a month have now given way to an unknown future of additional weeks and likely months of the new normal. It's at times depressing, all-enveloping, and overwhelming. The beer industry continues to try and manage the COVID-19 crisis, having now moved from the uncertainty of the first days to more sure footing today. Following passage of the CARES Act and the PPP, breweries, bars, distributors, and restaurants are weighing their financial options and plotting their future courses. After a huge initial boost in pantry-filling off-premise sales, we're starting to see a dip as people have filled up on 24 packs of their favorite beers. Smaller breweries are trying to figure out whether to brew new batches, and if so, what to brew and how to package it. Plenty of questions remain. We begin this week with Adam Robbings of Rubens Brew in Seattle and how he planned for the crisis. John Hall has the story. Adam Robbings, as he'll explain more fully in a moment, started making moves at his brewery, Rubens Brews, well before Washington State started putting restrictions in place. His previous careers helped get some things in perspective and moving before the world came crashing down. Like every other brewery, his business has been impacted. But listening to him in this conversation recorded on Thursday morning, just after the latest unemployment numbers came out, I was struck by how just a little bit of planning and a whole lot of thoughtfulness can help in the short term and then set up better footing in the long run. Regardless of where your brewery is or what it's going through now, there are key takeaways from hearing Robbing's perspective and important safeguards breweries can do to help their business for when it comes out of this crisis, but before the next one strikes. The brewery planned for every possible scenario they could think of, from shutting down the taproom and starting to-go orders. This helped give them a bit of a head start. Adam spoke to me by phone from his home in Washington State. From that, and um, so we, a week before the um, stay home, stay safe order even happened here. We already had like, contingency plans of, of around a to-go model. Um, the week before that, we actually did an online beer release to reduce the amount of traffic in our tasting room. So, you know, we had s- scenarios set that if if we couldn't produce at all, what what happens? If we can do a tasting room model, what happens? If grocery is still okay, what happens? Um, and, uh, you know, once once we've got line of sight to those scenarios, then it's about, you know, liquidity planning, you know, make sure you have dollars, That's, you know, so I was speaking to the banks and, and got, um, you know, extended credit card terms, loans deferred, repayments deferred, you know, look at our line of credits and, and see if we could extend or, or get some of those delaying capital projects we we were actually really close um like within less than a month of starting a, a, a big expansion of our tasting room so we obviously have put that on indefinite hold yeah um but i'm glad that this happened before we started that construction rather than after you know <laughs> so what led you to do these line of sight plannings, the, 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 these, these long-term, because it seems like a lot of folks in beer especially were maybe not caught by surprise, but everybody started doing it at the same time. Um, and it sounds like you were doing it 
you know, shortly beforehand, everybody else. And that, that's probably helped you uh, in the long term. But but what actually spurred you on to start doing these things and start calling your banks before, you know, there's these long extended wait times on hold with you know, people who should be working on your behalf? Yeah, um, we, uh, so my, my prior job, I was a finance director at a big telecoms company. And, and part of that w- was um, uh, that I looked after risk management at one point. So um, I've always, you know, and I'm a trained accountant as well. So I'm always, uh, always looking out for the risks, <laughs> you know, to some extent. And um, I think also being from the UK, you, you keep, track of the, what's going on in the world and 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 when yeah. italy was getting shut down that to me and we had you know and also we had like one of the i think the first case in the u.s not far from seattle right right so it was close to home and it was also um you know going in a very uh i'll say unique or unusual direction in uh, overseas and in multiple co- countries as well you could see it happen spreading um through multiple countries and seeing pretty significant reactions from local governments. So that that's what what um, really really got got us focused on on, on this as a, as a potential issue. Um, and then I, I always you know, be, from 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 my background, I, I have to start from a okay, what does it mean like from a conceptual level like if we close down how many months can we carry on paying our team because like at the end of the day this uh, these things these times are very difficult for the entity as a, as a business mm-hmm. but um it's also going to be very difficult for all of the people in relation to us whether it be stakeholders or whatever you want to call them so like our customers um uh, that have like overnight on march 16th well, bars and restaurants were closed down so obviously uh, that that's a fundamental change to their business right um uh, so whether it's our customers our employees so we 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 worked out some scenarios where even if we were fully closed down we would still be paying our team and keeping them in health insurance and um for, for a period of time just because we've got to recognize that they have this is stressful for them as well right um and what we saw is, is even though we had given comfort to our team in these difficult times, their partners were being laid off. There was one example where one of our team, his other half, had three jobs, and within three days she was laid off from all three. Oh my goodness! And and they, and only one of those was like uh, hospitality related. Mm-hmm. So what we we were seeing that even though we had given our team um, some security as much as we could, um, they they were being impacted in other ways. So, so we offered a loan program to our team. Like if you're struggling because of your, your other half, your partner, um, maybe losing their job, then we can give you an advance to, to get you through the next, you know, few months. I mean, that, that's think, amazing. Think, and that you're even able to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, you know, I, I've, I, we, we've, we've, like I said, we. One thing I didn't say about the liquidity piece is we also immediately uh, applied to remortgage our house, right? So uh, to try and free up some liquidity there. It's about survival, right? And mm-hmm. then it's about looking after the people that have supported you. So one thing we're doing as well is um, uh, is is 
twice a week going to our, our longer term customers that have um, supported us in the good times and we're, we're, we're getting everybody from the team lunch from, from their uh, places because restaurants are allowed to do to-go sales mm-hmm. right now. So that's kind of nice because it's, 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 it's good for the team, you know, having, having lunch. Um, it's, we're doing a little bit to try and try and help out our customers. Um, it's kind of good seeing all the different veggie burgers from different <laughs> different places <laughs> at a personal level. <laughs> and and I guess in that spirit as well, this uh, new beer that you've launched, You Are Not Alone, sort of speaks to that that overall feeling as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, so when, when March 16th hit, um, which was the day um, that restaurants and bars were closed in Washington, uh, we essentially lost half of our business overnight. Um, and uh, in terms of all the draft sales, essentially, and, and our tasting room was closed and we had to pivot to a to-go model. But um, we were half, we're still operating half full, right? It's, it's a question of half full or half empty. And being a Brit, sometimes I do err uh, on the half empty side. You know? mm-hmm. But I, I've been in the US long enough now to <laughs> to, to think half full uh, more often. And um, yeah, one of the, one of the things that is important is that we look after our team and we look after our, our community, whether it be restaurants as, as well as uh, we're seeing a lot of people have, have lost their jobs and it's impacting us as a team as well. You know, like I said, with, with the partners of people in the team um, losing their jobs. So one one um, thing that we thought we could do is, is brew a beer that um, we're calling you, know, you Are Not Alone uh, because the, the hard thing is you're, you're in a stay home, stay safe um, uh, edict. And then at the same time, you've got um, a lot of people have lost their jobs. I mean, what we've seen 10 million people in the U.S. lose their jobs in the last two weeks, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's unprecedented in every every way. Actually, the new and numbers out small... on a Thursday morning, I think, are, are 16 million, uh, 780,000. Wow. Wow. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and it's a small thing that we thought we could do, but we would, would bring a beer um, and we can donate all of the, the profits from that beer to a local um, uh, a, a Washington charity called um, Big Table that is set up to support um, the hospitality industry. And uh, we put out a call as well to other breweries um, who are interested in doing this. I mean, not everybody can, you know, it's, it's not it's not it's not easy for for any of us so it was a soft call and it wasn't it wasn't like we were dictating a recipe it, it was more of a principle can you come up with a beer you are called you are not alone that recognizes the situation for a lot a lot of people in in the hospitality industry that are our friends and our customers um in in the better days and and do something for them and we have uh, 10 Ten breweries are now involved in this this effort, to, and they're all using different charities. You know, maybe more hyper local to them, um, but it, that's not the point. The point is that we're doing something to support people at this time. It's such a it's it's been heartening to see how many breweries are stepping up, and 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 obviously this is nothing new. I mean, we saw this with the Resilience Project uh, that Sierra Nevada ran. Um, 
two years ago now, I guess at this point, and how that was repurposed for Australia uh, late last year, and uh, other half is doing their beer um, as well um, all together, and yeah. uh, it, it it does really. I, I think it's moments like this where we keep hearing about the the beer community, uh, and this is just another great example of how that is personified and how that is actually put into to action and not just a, you know, Hey, camaraderie hanging out at the, at, at, at the bar kind of thing. Um, I, I, I'm curious from your perspective and you've been talking about, you know, uh, or you were talking about line of sight and how um, uh, you've been, f- you were forward thinking in all of these different scenarios. Have you started thinking about that for what Rubens Brews looks like? after this is over or after this becomes normalized, whatever that may be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, totally. So, so a lot of the things that we're working on right now, so, um, it's always hardest to say no to doing things in, in business, right? It's always easy to say yes. So, um, in terms of what what we're focusing our our things are on on our work and our efforts on a things that we think might stick longer term. So I think the to go model, the ability to order online and come and pick up in a transactionless um, environment, is something that people obviously need today. But I think it's something that will probably stay. So we we we've redesigned our website to facilitate that, for example. Um, we are also working on a um, in Washington State. You're allowed to ship within the state mm-hmm. uh, beer. Um, we're working on uh, a, a shipping program within the state that um, we're hoping to launch in the next few days because I think that would be something that we'll keep after after this finishes. Right. Um, we've been sitting with um, in our team uh, internally trying to figure out a model where we can understand how this does unwind and what that means in terms of volumes. There's a natural human reaction to overreact, you know, in whatever way. Um, so right now, if we moved everything into package and, and had absolutely no, no kegs around or uh, destroyed all the kegs, then as soon as this does open up, we won't have any capacity to probably do enough kegs and you'll get caught out on that side Mm -hmm. so um the longer term approach is important like like as an example there on on kegs uh i've heard of some of the bigger national players uh extending their their useful uh, their best buy dates on on their on their beers well for me i haven't changed anything in my production process or or the beer itself so it's this freshness date doesn't change right so you know, I've done a assessment of the impact of, of that decision, and I think it's the right for the longer term. You need to be making long-term decisions here. You don't want to over, overreact. And for, for me, the quality of the beer is the most important thing. So that if that means we have to take a lot of beer back and take a hit on that, then that, that's so be it. Just because of a pandemic doesn't mean that your freshness date has extended somewhat miraculously, I don't, I don't think. Yeah. But, um, in, in all of these things, it's about taking a long-term approach and trying to um, trying to balance, you know, the short-term needs within within that. Um, in in terms of the unwinding, that is kind of interesting because, you know, how is how is the environment going to look after this all 
settles. Um, so it was interesting in Washington State, it, uh, it was almost like a ratcheting down of activity. So there were a uh, maximum of like 250 people in, in uh, could meet in one place. And then it went down, I think, to 50. And then now it's down to 10 or 5 or it might be zero now. But at one point it was at that lower level. Um, we, I, I mean, my stake in the ground is that it will release in the same way, you know. So occupancy loads of restaurants might be reduced. Uh, the tasting rooms might be reduced. Uh, maybe some sports events will be behind closed doors. But I, I, I mean, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but when I'm trying to plan out the longer term um, plan, and, and you know, I think it's always to, good to have that, that view. We do, we've had an updated long uh, full year view now twice with, with what's going on. Um, so we can have some context. I mean, you've got hot contracts that you need to manage, right? There's a there's a lot of supply chain issues. That, so you need to have a view on the long term, but every view you always have on the long term is wrong. And yeah. probably now is probably even more wrong than normal, you know? <sighs> well, thanks for taking the time and talking with us on uh, what you're doing out there and how you've been adapting and what the future may, like, uh, may, may look like. Um, I really appreciate the time. No, thank you. Thank you, John, and I hope, I hope you're doing well as well and keeping keeping safe and healthy. We're working on it. That's Adam Robbings of Rubens Brews in Washington State. The beer he mentioned, You Are Not Alone, will be released on April 16th, he says. And if you're interested in participating in that program, you can reach him through the brewery. Joining me as he does every week is Beer Edge editor John Hall. How you doing, John? Hey, Andy, I'm good. So it's another week. It's another week of quarantine and close quarters with family or friends. And the beer industry is chugging along, trying to figure out you know, what to do next. We're kind of over the initial craziness of trying to discern what the situation is going to look like out there on the streets and in the, in the marketplace. Uh, but I also am you know, starting to hear that we're getting a little bit past that whole pantry loading uh, situation where people are you know, calling up Drizzly or going to their local liquor store or grocery store and loading up with a case or two of beer. And then beer sales are starting to to slow a little bit. I know for folks for a while thought that was going to be the thing that was going to save them, but uh, we're starting to see that slow. What else are you seeing out there? Brewers are preparing for the long term as, as best they can. Uh, the financial worries are certainly there. But folks are now actually also starting to think about, okay, what happens if somebody on my staff gets sick with this disease? And so I talked to one brewer uh, uh, just this morning, actually, who has split their staff into teams. So there's team A and there's team B, uh, essentially team one and team two. And so if somebody on team A, for example, comes down with it, that whole team can quarantine for 14 days like, while the person hopefully recovers. Um, and then the B team or the second team can go in and fill those gaps. But the, but those two teams won't ever work at the brewery at the same time. And they're all following sanitation uh, protocols and everything else like that. But uh, that way, if you know everybody was coming in all at the same time and one person got it, and then suddenly your whole staff has to quarantine, like that's it, that's game over. So, um, that's one of the, the the things that I'm starting to see now that breweries are planning the long term for doing business in this new age. 
Yeah, we're starting to to see sort of that across the industry that people are not thinking that this is you know a matter of of weeks or even a month or so, but starting to realize you know that this is probably a very extended period of time in which this is going to happen. And I think the other thing we're hearing a lot of are, are breweries and taproom owners and restaurant and bar owners realizing that once we come out on the other side of this in two months, three months, whatever it is, that it's not like everyone's going to rush into the tap room and be elbow to elbow, that things are things are going to be different and they're going to be weird for a while. And that and that's really the thing. And for a lot of these businesses that have been, or a lot of these breweries, I should say, that have been basically tap room only, um, it's, it's going to be a real adjustment for them when people are actually able to start venturing out again. And whether or not at that point they're going to be able to keep the lights on is a, is, is a whole other thing. Um, you know, and some breweries are trying to pivot. They're, they're really beefing up their to-go game, uh, and they're planning on that being the way that they do it for a really long time to come. And like everything else, as we're saying with this, it's time will tell. But I, I think the folks who are trying to not just rely on things going back to the status quo will be the ones that come out of this stronger and might be able to last a little bit longer. We also saw some pretty harrowing numbers come out of the Brewers Association this week with regards to its report. Uh, they did a survey, a benchmarking survey across the industry, got about 450 responses from breweries, and the numbers were, were dismal. So many, you know, such a substantial number of them talking about, you know, about how many weeks of, of time they had left or how many months of time they had left or whether or not they thought this was going to highly impact their business or take the entire business under. That was some pretty grim news. It was. And what was interesting was the, the, the small number of respondents. I mean, there's 8,100 breweries in the country, or there was before we started going into this. So if only a fraction of them are giving responses like that, uh, you have to wonder you know, what the other you know 7,000 plus breweries are doing right now, 7,900 7, breweries are doing right now, because it's... Uh, <laughs> They're obviously trying to keep their head above water, but I, I, I think that they're probably going to all fall into that same boat as well. And I think it, we just should be used to whether it's the stock market or brewery numbers or you know just even our own bank accounts. Uh, we should just be used to seeing grim numbers for a little bit, or expect to see grim numbers um, until we can get a get a fuller handle on this. Yeah, just going through that report, you know, they're basically looking at, you know, about two and a half percent said that they were already planning on closing, that there was no coming back from this, or they were either in circumstances that probably, you know, put them in on a on a bad foot to start. And then, you know, another, you know, twelve percent saying that, you know, they basically had one week to a month and then they might be done. Uh, but then another just absolutely whopping forty six percent on top of that, so that they basically had a one to three month uh, runway when you know things weren't back to normal or things weren't open at that point that they were done. So you're looking at more than half of the respondents. Um, and I know there've been some criticism online of this sort of small number of responses, but you know, you know, I know very little about statistics. But what I do know is that you know, essentially, when you start getting into the numbers in the hundreds, you start to see you know you can start talking about uh, you know what kind of margin of error there is. But here, you know, the margin of error is somewhat low. And also, you know, unlike with political polling, where you maybe get a thousand voters uh, out of hundreds or millions of, of eligible voters in a in a state or in a country, um, here 
We had 450 respondents out of 8,000. That is a substantial portion of the entire industry. So if these numbers are anywhere near correct and if there isn't any kind of you know, response bias in here, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad news. It is. I've been talking to some folks who have been saying, though, that using this downtime, if, if you do think that you do have some runway, or you do think that you do have some time uh, to come out of it, uh, some folks are actually thinking about long-term projects, be it marketing projects that are out there or you know, things that they always wanted to focus on as far as you know, employee training or uh, learning a new skill or you know, finally catching up on a, you know, finishing John Palmer's Water, which I think is still uh, an impossible book to finish. Um, but folks are trying. And so some folks that I've talked to this week are really trying to focus on the long term and how can I come out of this, you know, not only financially alive and still have a business, uh, but also be better for it. And how can my business be better for it? So, you know, that's been heartening to hear uh, a, a few folks talk about that. As we do every week, we'll leave the podcast by asking you, you know, what sort of positive news do you have? What, you know, anything upbeat, anything to sort of leave the audience off on a, on a good foot? I, I've really been heartened by some of these collaboration beers that are coming out uh, where uh, Other Half did one and Ruben's Brews is doing one. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the proceeds are going to help people in the hospitality industry or going to help people who are in need. Uh, Noda Brewing Company is re- uh, releasing a check pills uh, that is going towards uh, uh, helping out the families of first responders that are out there. And we've also seen just this uptick in recycled beer going to uh, make hand sanitizer, which is being donated to first responders as well. All of the World Beer Cup entries uh, that would have been being judged, uh, I guess, next week, actually, uh, are now being turned into hand sanitizer, medical grade hand san- uh, hand sanitizer that'll go to uh, first responders in, in, in Colorado. Um, but honestly, Andy, I think the most exciting and the happiest news that has come out of this is the Beerstadt Lager House in Denver has announced that they are canning slow pour pills for the first time. Do we know anything about national distribution? Do we have some East Coast <laughs> East Coast action there? That's what I'd like to know. Uh, I'm going to be doing cannonball runs uh, to and from the brewery, and I'll I'll make a stop in. Uh, in Massachusetts on my way back. Appreciate it. We'll keep the normal social distancing. We'll just have it delivered door to door. And uh, I promise I tip well. John, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Andy. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beer Edge podcast. This show is produced by Beer Edge and co-hosted by myself and John Hall. If you have any questions or criticisms, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at BeerScribe or via email at andy at beeredge.com. We appreciate any reviews you can give on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows, and we'll be back with another episode of the Beer Edge Podcast soon. Until then, stay safe and healthy.